0: I think that song that we just sang there at the end really demonstrates what we're going to talk about today. Just as the young children in here need their parents, we need our Father in heaven. Today, like I said, we're going to be talking about the title of this sermon is called Channel Your Inner Child. You know, as I put that, I thought about you know what what are people going to you know think initially when they when they read that are they going to think you know well we need to bust the toys back out you know do we need to you know start going out and playing on playgrounds and playing on the swings and doing all that stuff but i want us to think about this morning as we're going through here the characteristics of the children that we have in our lives the children we have in this church or maybe even children of our own think about the characteristics that they have and why would god say we need to come to him as child, as children. We need to come to him with childlike characteristics. As adults, we spend most of our lives trying to teach, show, and explain things to kids. We don't think that really kids have anything that they can show us. You know, we, we, we think we know more than what they do. We've been through more struggles. We've been through more trials. We've been through things in life, so there's no way that a child could show me something. What if I told you that deep down, a child can show us many things? As we mature, we definitely see positive changes come about in our lives, but at the same time, we forget and even sometimes lose valuable traits that we had as children. In this particular passage that I'm that going to read here in a second, Jesus tells us that unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Today we're going to dive in to what Jesus is meaning here by telling us to be like children. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. It says, At the time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come through right now. Lord, Lord, we thank you so much for, for this service. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage. Lord, we thank you so much for everything that you give us in the Word of God. Lord, we thank you so much that um, we can come here this morning and we can start to look at ourselves in ways that maybe we haven't looked at ourselves in a while. Lord, that we can start looking at ourselves as maybe trying to be more childlike. Lord, as this passage as we read this morning, Lord, trying to dig deep into what you mean by becoming like children. Lord, I ask that the characteristics that I bring out this morning, Father God, Lord, that we can start to see what you mean and we can start to develop our lives to become more like children for you. Lord, I ask that every word that I speak and every word that comes out of my mouth this morning be straight from you, Father, so that this is your message and not mine and that you may be glorified through this, Father. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be like I said we're going to be talking about becoming like children. And I guess the thing that I thought about is I, you know, I started thinking about different characteristics that children possess that us as adults may not possess and that how we can change that and we can start channeling our inner child and channeling our inner children like characteristics that God wants us to channel in our lives. If you have your sermon notes there the very first thing that I wrote down there was having childlike excitement childlike excitement. Now, to demonstrate this, I'm going to need some volunteers. And I know this is a little unorthodox here, but I'm going to need an adult volunteer and a child. All right, Levi Lester, I saw your hand first. I think your dad tried to pull it down, but I I saw you pull it first. So Levi, come on up. Is there an adult that would like to volunteer to come up? I'm sure the hands won't shoot up as fast as what the kids did. Anybody? Any adult? All right, since it's nobody's volunteering. Oh, yes, there we go, Dr. Hosoffel. Thank you so much. All right, Levi, we have a young child and a young adult. Be careful. <laughs> what I'm going to demonstrate with this excitement is that sometimes children get excited about things a lot more than us adults do. Just for an example, whenever I ha- asked for a volunteer for a child, Levi's hand came s- so fast up that I couldn't even finish the c- question I asked. He was so excited to come up here, weren't you? Yes, all right. And then for the adults, it was like prying teeth to get somebody to come up here. So another demonstration is What if I gave you a dollar, Levi? you see his face when I pulled this dollar out? His eyes got so big. Here you go. Yeah, now he's smiling. He's excited. Now, Doc, what if I, what if I gave you a dollar? <laughs> buy with this, right?
1: Thanks, yeah, You're welcome.
0: All right, you guys can go sit back down. Thank you. <laughs> oh, $2. Man. <laughs> uh, give him a round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In that example, a dollar means, m- means really nothing to us as adults. A dollar is something, you know, it's hard to find things that you can buy for a dollar nowadays. So it would be a small blessing giving somebody a dollar. To Dr. Hosopel, to give him a dollar really was, I mean, you saw how much it meant to him. He gave it to the kid. Okay? Didn't really mean much to him. But Levi was so excited to get that dollar. I know a lot of you guys couldn't see his face. I'll try to demonstrate it again when I pull the dollar out. He was excited. And then he got even more excited whenever Dr. Hostoppo gave him his other dollar. What's better than $1? $2, obviously. Small blessings that little children get excited about. How are we getting excited in our lives? It says God blesses us every single day. God blesses us every single day with small blessings. Blessings With little things in our lives that we take for granted. That we take for granted. But children do not. If you look, if you have your Bibles, James 1.17, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every perfect gift is given from God. But I ask you a question this morning. I asked you a question this morning. Do we get excited for God? Do we get excited for God? Now, and I'm not saying that we have to, you know, do we get so, what what do you get more excited about? What do you get more excited about? Do you get more excited about barry basketball games or do you get more excited about what God's doing in your life? And I probably took a hammer and hit it on a bunch of people's toes there because I did it to myself. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm, I get so excited to come to church. I, I mean, every single morning when I wake up on Sundays, I love it. I am so ready to come over here. But you know how excited I am for opening day today for the St. Louis Cardinals? I am pumped. Pumped. And when I thought about that, I thought about, man, I'm planning my whole day around the one o'clock game that the Cardinals have today. And I almost get more excited for that opening day game against the Pirates than what I do about coming to church here on Sunday. I think as, as, as believers in Christ, if we don't get excited about God, how are we ever, ever going to bring somebody in and get them excited for God? For an example, and I think I've, I've shared this before, but as teachers, as teachers, the teachers that we have in here, I myself claim to be a teacher. When giving a lesson plan, when, dis, when dis, You know, given a lesson plan, it could be over long division. If I go up in front to teach my class about long division, and I am as bored out of my mind as I can possibly be, all right, see, put this here, and then you take this, and you move it down here, and then you bring that back up to the top, and you subtract it, and you start going through it like that, how are your kids ever going to get excited about doing math? But if I come up to give my lesson on long division, and I'm like... Woo, all right, here we go. So you're going to bring this to the top. We're going to bring it down, 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 down. And I start dancing or hollering or whatever. The kids are going to be laughing. They're going to be excited. They're going to see that school is fun, not just PE. Okay? They're going to see that we are excited about what we're teaching, what we're passionate about. And if we can show that excitement to other people, they are going to be, want to be a part of that. But if us as Christians if us as Christians live our lives like being a Christian is not any fun at all, why would anybody want to come to the Christian faith? Why would anybody want to come? If we don't get excited about, last Sunday, last Sunday we celebrated the thing that we as Christians should be most excited about. Easter. The death and the resurrection of our Father in Heaven. Why In the world, I'm not saying we have to do this, but why in the world can we not come in here hooping and hollering because Jesus died on the cross for us? Does that excite us? Does that strike something inside of you that is getting you so revved up that you can't wait to get out of this church building and go talk to people about what you've just heard today? In our Bible study, just it was probably a couple months ago, we talked about this. We talked about, does the gospel message excite you? Does the gospel message excite you? So what I did is I had all the, all the uh, men in my Bible study, we all sat around and I played a video. I played a video. And it's a video I've played here before. It was the video about Barabbas and how we are Barabbas and how Christ died for us and he took the place for us. And I showed him that video. And at the end, I said, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Now, is Christianity all about feelings? Don't get me wrong, it's not. Christianity is not all about feelings, but I think that it should strike some feelings up in you that get you excited, that make you think, man, this guy did something for me. We have to channel this inner excitement that children have. If, we, if, 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 if a young child can get excited about $2, why can't we, as adults, get excited about eternal life in heaven? He's given us eternal life. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, "But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And his wounds by and by his wounds we are healed." How does that verse? What does that strike up in you right now? How does that? What is that stirring inside of you right now? Are we getting motivated to this? Now, why do, now, I want to bring it back to what I talked about a while ago. Why do we get excited about sports, our jobs, um, TV shows? Why do we get excited about that stuff? And don't tell me we don't get excited about TV shows, especially the young people in here. Because if I have to see one more tweet about The Bachelor and how it's coming on tonight, I'm going to pull my hair out. We get excited about that. I hear people say, well, i got to get home for my 10 o'clock show. We get excited about that. Why do we get excited for that stuff? Why do we get excited for sports, um, TV shows, our jobs? Why do we get so excited about that? You want to know why? Because we dedicate our time to it. We dedicate, we are dedicated to those things. Fully dedicated. And it becomes a part of us. It becomes a part of us. So if we are going to be excited about Christ, and we're going to be excited about the Christian religion that we are professing, We have to be dedicated to it. We have to make it our life. Now, I'm not saying you can't have sports, you can't have a job, you can't watch TV shows. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But what I'm saying is we need to start getting more excited to be here in this building and to be getting into our word and be getting into prayer and talking to people about God more than we do this stuff. We need to start dedicating our time and efforts towards that. And when you dedicate your time and effort towards that, you get more excited about it. You get more passionate about it. That childlike excitement starts to come into view for yourself. If you go back to the call to worship that we had this morning, it says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked him. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. Picture this moment for a second. In your mind, picture this moment. Do you think whenever Jesus said, let the children come, do you think the children just kind of just... You know, walked real slow to Jesus. No, I guarantee you that those children got so excited that they ran, they had the biggest smiles on their face, and I can I I, you know it doesn't say it in here, but I can just picture them jumping into Jesus' arms. Jumping into Jesus' arms with a smile on their face. I have experienced this before. I have experienced this before. It's not the real thing, but it was just a small taste, small taste of what it's going to be like when I see Jesus in heaven. Antioch used to put on a a thing called Hell Escape. Anybody remember when they did that? Yeah. And uh, what you did is you went through this journey of this kid's life and, um, you know, how he had, you know, he had some problems with drinking and then there was a car accident and, you know, he, he... Eventually they say that you know, he, he, he goes to hell and you actually get to see you know, kind of just total minuscule thing of what hell is. And you kind of go through all that path and at the end it has, it has three doors. It says three doors. And it says, if you would die today, where would you go? And you got to walk through one of those three doors. You got to walk into heaven and there was a question mark where you didn't know and then there was a hell door. Well, of course, being a believer... I walked through the heaven door and I walked through there and it was kind of wide winding path outside. And then you walk into the old church building that Antioch has. And right when you walked in, there was a, just a middle aisle just like this. And there was people dressed as angels on this side. And there was people dressed as angels on this side and sitting right there in the middle was David Bean dressed up as Jesus. When I went through this, I was probably in junior high, maybe sixth grade, somewhere around there. And when I walked through that door and I saw what I thought was Jesus, I ran as fast as I could and had the biggest smile on my face and grabbed him and did not want to let go. And it's bringing me to tears right now just to think about this moment because this moment really did a lot for me because this moment made me realize that that coming to Jesus, whenever I see him on that day, is going to be the most glorious, most exciting time of, I've ever had in my life. And when we come to Jesus, and I realized in that moment, when I thought back and thought about this, why am I not running to him every single day with that same Excitement, that same joy, that same fulfillment that I got whenever I ran to a fake Jesus down the aisle. I want to run after him like that every single day. I want to run after him with as much passion as I had that time I ran when I was a young kid. The excitement that came up within me was something I can't explain. So it's time that we channel that inner excitement Because if we, as Christians, don't get excited about Jesus, how do we expect anybody else to? The second characteristic that I want to bring out this morning is childlike obedience. Childlike obedience. And this goes back to the relationship between a parent and their kid. By a raise of hands, parents, by a raise of hands, I want you to raise your hands. How many parents in here want their children to obey them? Yes, Obvious question, okay? Just like God, he tells us numerous times in the Bible that he wants us to obey his commands. Now, children, children, I'm asking you guys this time. I want you guys to raise your hand. How many of you guys want to obey your parents? Kids, how many, raise them high. How many of you guys want to obey your parents? Everybody. Everybody wants to obey their parents. Why? Why do children want to obey their parents? Why should we, as children of God, want to obey God? The same reasons why a child wants to obey his parents here on earth. Four reasons. Four reasons. I'm gonna write, I want you to write these down. First reason, and I guarantee if I ask kids this, it would be the first thing that they tell me. Why do you want to obey your parents so I don't get in trouble? Guarantee it. Guarantee it. So I I don't get in trouble. Okay? Why do we obey God's commands? Because God disciplines. God disciplines us. He does. If you don't believe that he does, go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 to 11. It talks about the discipline of God. He doesn't punish us, but he disciplines us. There's a difference between discipline and punishment. So one reason why we want to obey his commands is so we are not disciplined. But unfortunately, we're going to be disciplined because we don't always obey his commands. Second reason, the parents know better than they do. Parents know better than they do. Now you do, you, you go through this stage in life where you think you know more than your parents do. It starts around age 13, okay, and on through there. And then when you get to about 24, like I am, I think dad and mom really weren't as, you know, they, they, they knew their stuff. They knew what they were talking about when they told me different things. And I think all of us come to a point in our lives where we realize that. But I think as young kids, we know that our parents know more than we do. They've been around longer. They've experienced stuff. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Verse 8 says, "For For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We don't think in the same degree of what God thinks. Our ways are not in the same degrees of what God thinks. He knows way more than what we do. So, why would we not listen to somebody that knows more than what we do? We have to follow His commands because we know that He knows better. That's why we obey Him. Third reason the Bible says, the Bible says that we are to obey our parents. The Bible says we are to obey our parents. If you read in Ephesians 6, in Ephesians 6, verse 1 and 3, it says, Child, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay? So, children, obey your parents. The Bible says we are supposed to obey our parents. Now, does it say that we are supposed to obey God? Yes, it talks about that, and we're going to bring that up here in a second. In, in, verse, in John verses 14 to 15 because it brings up another reason why we obey our parents or why we obey God. Another reason why, chi- why children obey their parents and it probably wouldn't be one of the first reasons that they would automatically come up with but I think if you dig deep enough that they may say this, it's because they love their parents. You obey your parents because you love them. You obey your parents because you love them. John 14 verses 15 says, if you love me, if you love me. This is Jesus talking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, so why do we obey God? Why do we obey God for the same four reasons that why we obey our parents? 1, so we don't be di- so we're not disciplined. 2, because God knows way better than what we do. Reason 3 Yeah, reason 3. The Bible says that we are supposed to obey his commands. They're not just there for us to read. They're there for us to read and then, com- and then obey them. And the fourth reason, because we love and respect our father. We love and respect our father. Now, does all the times when parents tell us to do things as children, do we always think that it's going to go the right way? No. And as you get older, you think that your way is actually going to work better than the way dad told you to do it. Or the way that mom told you to do it. And then in reality, then you go and you try it your own way, and you see what happens, and then you have to go back to mom and dad and say, listen, I didn't listen to you. This is what happened. I messed up. That's what happens in life sometimes. God tells us that we're supposed to do this, and we say, no, 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 no. I think we need to do this. And then you go that way, and what happens? Disaster. Disaster. And God's waiting right there for us to say, listen, it's okay. It's okay. I'll help you out. Let's just go my way this time. So childlike obedience. The big one here that I struggle with the most, childlike uh, characteristic here, is childlike dependence. Childlike dependence. You know, we sang a song that said, Lord, I need you. That couldn't ring any truer to what I'm gonna talk about right here. We need God. We need God for way more than what he needs us for. We need God more than you think you need God. Because what happens a lot of times, we take what we think we can handle and what we can't handle, we give to God. God, I think I can handle this one. This problem, you probably take this one. That's not what he wants. He wants full dependence on him. As I sit back and I try to look through my childhood and I look to my parents and I realize one thing. If I didn't have my mom and dad growing up, my life would have been a total disaster. Total disaster. Now let me tell you why it would have been a disaster. I would have never got food. Luckily now, I don't live with my parents, but I figured out this thing called fast food. So I depend on that. But as a child, if mom and dad decided never to make supper or lunch or breakfast, I wouldn't eat. So we depend, I depended on them for food. What else did I depend on, depend on them for? I'm kind of embarrassed to say this one, but I'm going to. Laundry. I didn't do laundry until I really moved into my own place. That's sad, I know. But I depended on my mom to do my laundry. Transportation. I couldn't drive till I was 16. So if I wanted to go somewhere, I needed mom and dad to take me to that place. And if they wouldn't take me, I wouldn't get anywhere. Problems. Man, I had some problems. I had some problems as a kid. I had some problems as a young adult. And I needed my parents there to support me. I needed my parents there to encourage me. If I didn't have my parents there in those times of struggle, I would still probably be struggling with them. God used my mom and my dad to encourage me in times where I was lower than low. And the last one's obviously money. As a kid, you don't have any money, so if you need to buy something or you need money, you go to mom and dad and they supply you with money. So in retrospect, without my parents, as a child, I would have been a starving, dirty, and broke child with no way of getting to where I needed to go with several issues that I could not resolve. Starving, dirty, broke, several issues, and no no place to go. How many of us, how many is that, how many of us does that describe in our Christian walk with God? How many of us, when we came to the, the saving knowledge of God, came to Christ starving, dirty, broke, nowhere to go, problems like crazy? How many of us came to Christ like that? More, than of, more, than of, more of us than we think. When we came to Christ, we came to Christ understanding that we needed somebody. We needed something that could bring us out of the trouble that we had. We needed somebody to supply us with all the needs that we had in our entire life. We needed somebody to save us. And that is what God did. Just like I needed my parents, I need God that much more. Imagine your life today. Imagine your life today without God. Where does your salvation come from? Where does your wisdom come from? Where does anything and everything in your, your life come from? When you don't have God in your life, you may think that you are fine. You're the richest person in the world. The richest person in the world that does not have God, in my opinion, has nothing. Because it talks about in the Bible, when the world ends, all that burns away. All that goes away. But what stands firm? What stands firm when it's all said and done? The salvation that God has given us. His death on the cross. That is what stays. That is what is needed. More than any dollar amount, no matter any set of clothing, no matter how much food, no matter what, that is in the final days is the only thing that is going to matter. And if we come in here today thinking that other things dictate how we live our lives, and we come to that final day and we don't have that salvation that is needed, gonna be a sad day for us. But as we grow older, we get into this attitude of independence. We get into this attitude of, I can take care of myself. I look out for me, myself, and I. If I want something done, I can do it. I don't know if you guys, I think I've sat up here before, but I'm a very independent person. If I want something done, I will do it. If I'm struggling with something, I will take care of it. I don't want help from anybody. It's something I deeply struggle with. It started as a teenager. It started as a teenager. I wanted to do everything on my own. Group work in school, didn't like it. I wanted to do it on my own. And as we grow older, and we start to develop this lifestyle outside of Christ, this independence, what happens is it carries over into our spiritual lives and we start to become so independent in our relationship with God. We, see, we tend to say, we can do this on our own. We know better than what God does. That's not what I want, so I'm gonna do what I want. And what happens is when we get independent and we start to do things on our own, we start to push God further and further and further out of our lives. We stop depending on him. We stop turning to him. And eventually he becomes non-existent in our life. We need to drop that and start leaning and depending on God. Now, Josh, how do we depend on God? I want to have this childlike dependency that you're talking about. How do I do that? How do I totally depend on God in every aspect of my life? If you're asking yourself that this morning, you need to write these down. First thing you need to do, and I I guarantee I'm going to read this list and you guys are going to go, that's it? That's 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 all it takes? Yes, it's all it takes. First thing, pray. Pray, pray, pray. I was telling my buddies yesterday when we were coming back from our softball game, I told them, I said, guys, I'm telling you what, we're talking about, you know, digging into our word and how we, you know, have a struggle just like everybody else. We don't think we spend enough time in prayer. We don't spend enough time in our, in our, in our Bibles and all this stuff. And I told them, I said, one of the biggest things that's helped me lately is the prayer room that we had over here. And I don't know how many of you guys got a chance to participate in that prayer room, but I signed up for 1.30 in the morning. 1.30 in the morning. I woke up and I was coming over here thinking, man, I would much rather be looking at the back of my eyelids right now than coming over to church and praying. And I got in this room, and it was me, and it was God. That's it. And in that moment, I have felt so helpless, so helpless, because I finally came to the realization that I wasn't doing anything in my life. God has done everything for me that at this moment in my life I am fully depending on God to take this because I took time out of my day to give him 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And I was changed because I'm depending on God. Because in that moment, I, I felt, man, I I don't know. It was just it, it just blew me away. Because I felt like, man, it's just me and it's God. And I'm talking to him about my problems. I'm reading his scriptures. He's speaking to me through his word. I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome. This is awesome. And the thing is, I'm in my scriptures every single day. But what it was becoming for me was becoming a checklist. Devotions, done. Pray, done. But when I came over here and spent time, just spent, just amazing one-on-one time, with my father in heaven, I was blown away. It's the greatest mode of dependency that we can do. Is saying, God, I'm here. Talk to me. I'm here to talk to you. I want your help. The second thing, get in the word. Josh, you've given us two obvious ones. That's the, that's the, that's the thing about it. It is so simple to depend on God. And I think that it's such, a, because it's so simple, I think that's why we struggle with it the most. But I wrote down here, when we are constantly in our Bible, we are filling our minds with the answers that God has and is removing the ones that we think we have. Because when you, fill your stuff, when you fill yourself up with the word, something else has to go out. You fill yourself up, obviously something has to go out. So when you're filling yourself with God's word, what God is telling you, you're going to remove self. I wrote down here, stop worrying. Stop worrying is the third thing. When we are fully dependent on God, we get to this place of knowing His promises are for us to be good. He has good planned for our lives in every outcome presented to us. That is dependency. Being a living sacrifice, we must constantly be willing to live up to ourselves or live. Give up ourselves to God to further His kingdom. When we give up our lives, when we give up our wills, and we focus on His wills, we will be fully dependent on Him. And then I wrote down, do the right thing. Do the right thing. As hard as it may be sometimes, we constantly, constantly try to make decisions that we feel is what God would want us to do. No matter how much it may hurt, no matter how much it may sting. And Jeremiah seventeen five through nine says, "Thus the Lord curses the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an inhabitant salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green." and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick, who can understand it? Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. So pray, get in his word, stop worrying, be a living sacrifice, and do the right thing. Do the right thing. The last one there, and we're going to kind of close with this one, is childlike faith childlike faith. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say the words childlike faith, okay? But when we read this story, we understand what he means by having childlike faith. You know, I, I got some uh, examples. Kids believe anything that their parents tell them, right? I mean, anything that a parent tells them, their kid's going to believe. I have some examples here of some people that said some different things. It says, when I was little... My dad told me that toys grew under the weeds in the yard. And if I pulled them up, eventually a toy would pop up. Kid believed it. Pulled weeds his whole life. expected a toy to come up. Never came up. My dad, a two to three day, or two to three pot day coffee drinker, had me convinced at age seven that you had to be 16 years old in order to buy and drink coffee. My first time at Starbucks when I was, is when I was 16. I was so nervous because I thought somebody would card me. They believed that. They believed that. I wrote on here. One other person said, "My kids convinced. My kids are convinced that they have a long lost brother somewhere that I dropped off because he was too loud in the car. I'm sure they will figure out. Figure it out. But for the for that be, for the remainder of our road trips, they are very quiet and peaceful." I convinced my child, this, this, is just, this is just wrong that they would do this, this fun. it's funny, but it says I convinced my child that if she pressed the diet button down on the top of her plastic cups that you get at McDonald's, that it would actually turn her drink into a diet, diet soda. She cried every time I would do it. <laughs> Terrible. But those are some of the things, I mean, children just believe anything that their parents tell them. I mean, I think we can all say that we have something that our parents have told us that we still today, maybe not believe, but we're like, man, maybe my dad told my dad said that. You know, that's just what we do. And as children of God, we must get to this point with our Father. We must believe that everything that God says, everything that God has put into His Word, is true and will happen. John twenty verse thirty one says. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Believing. Do we completely believe everything the Bible tells us? Do we completely believe all the truths that he has given us? But my thing is, why do children believe everything their parents say? Why do children believe everything their parents say? Why should we believe everything our Father says? Because they hold their parents above all humans that they come into contact with. They hold their mother and father above everybody else they come into contact with? Do we hold God above everybody else that we come into contact with? Everything that we hear, do we hold God above all of that? We must believe with 100% faith that everything he says trumps everything everybody else says. The last part of why children believe everything their parents say is I think as kids, we grow up wanting to be like our parents. We think our dads are superheroes. We think our moms are superwomen. We think everything that they do is perfect. Everything that they do is right. They know everything. I used to think when, my, when I was younger that my dad was the strongest man in the world. I don't think that anymore, but I thought he was back then. Do we want to be Like our Father. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. Be imitators. We want to be like him. We want to strive to be like Jesus every single day. Because that is ultimately who we want to be. So that everything he does, everything he says, the way he walks, the way he talks, that's what we want to be. In closing, I want to leave you with this. When it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our relationship with God, we need to come about it in a childlike manner. We must get excited to be with Him. You know, I thought about making everybody this morning yell woo, but I figured I might freak some people out. But I'm telling you, whenever you're reading by yourself and you read something, you're like, man, that is good. Clap or cheer or something. I mean, that's good stuff. That is what we need to be getting excited about. Then we must be ready to obey Him. Obey Him for the, for the reasons that I listed. Obeying Him because we love Him. Obeying Him because it tells us so. Obeying Him because we don't want to be disciplined. Obey Him for everything that children obey their parents for. We must fully depend on Him. Fully depend on him in every aspect of your life. Don't hold things back from God. Give it to him and be fully dependent, just like a young child is dependent on their parents. And we must have complete faith in him. Believing everything that he says. Believing every truth that he has given us. We must believe that he is coming back. We must believe that his truth is that he wants good in our lives. That he works everything together for the good. Everything that he has ever told us, we need to start believing. And ultimately, because we have that childlike faith and we believe everything he says, we want to try to be like him, just as children want to be like their parents. Therefore, channel your inner child and start letting God be your good, good father. Closing song here today. We're going to be putting good, good father up on the projector. There's not going to be anybody up here singing. It's just going to kind of be the video. But I encourage you, sing along. Sing along. And while you're singing that, think back. Sing it like a child. Sing it like a child. Sing it like a child that you are looking to God and you are telling him, you are a good, good father. And I am ready to be your child. I want to be the best child I can be to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. We thank you so much for everything that you've blessed us with. Lord, I thank you so much for um, this reminder that you've given us. Lord, this reminder to be like children. Lord, I pray that as we, as we leave here today that we start to develop and we start to bring back about these childlike characteristics that, that we as adults and maybe even young adults have lost, the excitement that we have for you, the obedience that we have towards you, the dependency that we have on you, and the faith that we have in you. Lord, I ask that all four of those aspects start to begin to grow up, and they start to be coming evident in people's lives, and that we can look to you every single day with the blessing of knowing that you are our good, good Father. Lord, we thank you so much. In every name we pray. Amen.